Hello, dear listener. You're listening to another episode of Between Players, and my name is Zach, and with me is my brother Robert. And tonight we're going to be going over our playthrough impressions, review, feelings, memories of uh, Obsidian's The Outer Worlds. And uh, for those who are playing the bonus round of this episode, uh, Robert can give us some insights on to the uh, expansions, which I did not touch. I only uh, went through the, the base game. So... Uh, without further ado, here we go. And action. Oh no! Is your your voice is still there? It's just a little low. Okay. You always say that. I know. I know. I'm sure that the the machine will will still will still love you. Yeah. If it doesn't, that's fine too. I probably don't have that much uh, enlightening to say. Well. Okay, so you've played a bunch of the Obsidian and... Well, okay, so for people who don't know who Obsidian is, they're the ones who took care of uh, New Vegas. Mm. Or probably most famously took over New Vegas uh, and did the, that that second uh, piece of the uh, sort of like new-gen Fallout games. Um, they've done a bunch of other stuff, obviously, um, but that's probably one of their most like famous ones um, or famous one because of how well they handled the property. Famously, people really liked the writing in it. The fact that you can really manipulate a lot of the systems. Many of the quests can be solved multiple ways. Um, there's a bit more gray morality. And I think that those, I believe if I'm not mistaken, most of the same writing staff is in this game. And this was kind of a game for them to sort of like jumpstart their uh, explorations into a kind of a, similar you know like a very like similar genre you know first person uh western style rpg except for in space you got a lot of like kooky characters and fun dialogue options a little bit of mystery and intrigue but i think this game really to me comes off as a bit more of like a um some i don't mean to say this in a bad way but like comes off as like somebody's idea of a 50s science fiction high budget science fiction tv show yeah, um, I I wouldn't put that too out uh, too far outside the scope. It definitely has like a little bit of a, a sitcommy feel to it. Um, everyone's kind of caricatured, um, and you know the the tech is somewhere in between, um, kind of what you'd expect from a future tech and a steampunk. Like nothing is super advanced. Um, in in like a science fictiony kind of way, right? Uh, it's all kind of hodgepodge. Uh, it kind of reminded me of like Borderlands, mm. where it's like there's a bunch of high tech stuff, but a lot of it's being wielded by morons. So it's kind of like hodgepodge together. Yeah, it does have the. Um, I'm not sure what this uh, design style is, but like it is as if you lifted the design cues of like 60s futurism and just put them into or 50 late 50s futurism and put them into practice so like there's no like teleporters there's nothing quite like that it's a bit more um yeah some of it's like kind of anachronistic so you've got like you know a lot of wild uh wild psychedelic color on the planets and you've got like neon and bars and kind of this old Westy town vibe to every place you go, which is pretty, you know, par for the course. But then like some of your weapons are, you know, laser weapons that reduce people to ash. And some people, some, some of your weapons are uh, fancy science weapons that do science things that are wacky. And some of your weapons are pickaxes that you find in the field and you, pickaxe people to death Mm -hmm. with them Mm -hmm. so let's look at some of the like good spots of the game uh for me personally like length of game like as a casual someone who has basically like casual time to play a game it's kind of perfect for that um it doesn't it's not like it didn't feel like the challenge was all that high i think i played it on the regular setting or whatever just normal difficulty um I felt like the controls were easy to pick up. Most of the systems made sense. There were a few things that like I missed early on that like later game, I figured out how to do and made sense. Um, but would have like saved me some aggravation earlier. Um, and uh, in general, I really like the 
writing in the game in terms of like what the hero has to do to um, get around different situations. Usually, um, and maybe I, I think this is the case for everybody, like each planet you go to usually has like a minimum of two parties who are the main groups that are sort of vying for something. And you kind of have to pick how you want to deal with each one. And, you know, ultimately like you're trying to, you have your own objective, right? So you have to decide whether you want to empathize with people or screw them both over or whatever. Right. Yeah. And there, there is a, uh, what I would consider a healthy vein of anti-capitalism rhetoric, (laughs) um, embedded in the game throughout. So it's, it's very much a man against the system type of struggle throughout all of your adventures, both in the, the microcosm and the macrocosm. Um, it's man against world, which is a great mechanic and it gives you the leeway, um, to kind of pick whichever side you want. So if you want to mm-hmm. be a corporate goon, you can run around being the corporate goon and stamping down the working people, or, you know, you can screw them both or, you know, any, any shade in between that, which is nice to be given at least given the option to to play it out the way you want to play it out mm-hmm. uh, but the yeah the writing throughout was fantastic I, I have to say it it looks feels a lot like um you know a bethesda-esque game uh when yeah. you're playing through it it's first person um a lot of the mechanics are similar um it's going to give you that feeling like you're playing one of those titles, but uh, I didn't experience any bugs with the game at all. So uh, apparently Todd Howard left his grubby fingerprints off this one. Um, And the writing um, and uh, the writing and the plot progression, uh, not just in terms of how the plot plays, but what you can do um, from your your player control standpoint, making decisions and, you know, how many decisions you have to resolve a particular situation. Um, it's really well orchestrated. Mm. So, so props on them. Um, it definitely shines through. Uh, I was really impressed with uh, the dialogue, the options you have. I, I ended up, so I rolled kind of like a high intelligence character leaning into um, science and long guns. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I got a lot of like high intellect uh, prompts for your various checks, um, which was great. You know, throughout the story, depending on your stats, you get stat specific prompts. Um, <laughs> and then at some point during the game, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I got the, uh, the permanent concussion perk option. Um, and I was like, sure, why not? You you can pick one of if you accept a flaw, you get, uh, an extra perk point. Mm -hmm. So I didn't pick up most of them, but permanent concussion basically just gives you like a permanent debuff to intelligence. And I was like, word, I I have plenty of intelligence. So this, this seems like a fair bargain. Um, and even though my intelligence was still stupid high, it gave me all of the dumb, dialogue options from then on and they are so funny (laughs) it it's ridiculous (laughs) like even in the same dialogue prompt i would have the like smart science prompt Uh and the dumb prompt (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh my god this is too good like one answer i'll be like i'm sorry I wasn't listening to you. What was that one more time? Mm-hmm. Like, oh my god, I can't believe I have to deal with you. And then the next answer, I'd be like, oh yeah, so we're using the centrifuge to extract this compound, which will do this other thing. And they're like, wow, you're a genius. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, oh, yes, yes. So you went for Bill Nye, the charismatic sniper guy. Yes, the uh, highly intelligent, charismatic retard. That's- <laughs> That's me. It was fantastic. Um, I played into the natural uh, Western RPG trope of focusing largely on the hacking elements, hacking and uh, lock picking. Okay. So mine was mostly in engineering. So I like paid nothing to upgrade my weapons and, you know, buff my armor and stuff like that later on in the game. Mm. Um, 
and I um, was able to like hack into every every like thing I came across basically and bust open doors. So I broke tons of rules essentially in like, I basically had like infinite ammo and uh, infinite other like health resources and stuff. Cause I could just open any lock box I saw as long as nobody was looking, I wouldn't get penalized for it. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, that was like a huge boon for me and kind of played into my usual way of doing things like as Robert and other people have uh, heard, probably have heard if you've heard me review a game before, I tend to play RPGs a bit like a pack rat. Um, And so like it afforded me the ability to continue that horrible trend of just like hoarding objects and not knowing when to uh, stash them. So one perk that became like hugely important for me was a movement perk that let you um, teleport always to the unreliable, which is the name of your ship. You would no, do that, wouldn't you? No matter what you're uh, carrying, so that I could mule all of my ill-gotten garbage and put it into the lockers at the entry and then, you know, teleport back out. Oh my god, that makes so much sense. Yeah, I I did not pick that one up. I picked up uh, I picked up the first like increase to carry capacity, and then I picked up um, the perk that gives you extra carry capacity for every person in your party mm. um so at the end of the day mules um, yeah my carrying capacity was like 180 or something um and it was it's very rare enough, that i Robert. bumped up against that ah come it's on never enough it's so you, you <laughs> don't need practically anything in this game it's the the economy is so broken yes like, that is true now there is one thing we'd like to point out or i'd like to point out for the for the potential owner slash players of outer worlds. And that is there are a couple of very interesting mechanics that are in this game outside of the uh, weird gear that's sort of like divided between the uh, businesses. Right. And then a few of the um, non corporations have uh, good armor, but um, you essentially have like your time dilation skill. You have your uh, inhaler thing mm-hmm. and You've got um, guns, Mm -hmm. and then you have some, like, static buffs to your character. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember if there's, like, one more thing. Um, Gosh. Oh, and then there's this weird uh, strafe you can do by hitting jump twice. Oh, the dodge. The dodge. Um, So the game gives you, like, a lot, like, just a few more movement things and abilities that you wouldn't have had uh, that you... uh, maybe don't have in like something like fallout. Um, but using those pieces, um, I don't know what, what did you ended up? You said you were long guns, but what else did you end up like really, uh, relying on in terms of, uh, dispatching, uh, nameless gangsters and, uh, gross aliens. Um, I didn't really use the dodge function except mm-hmm. for world exploration. Um, you can get buffs for it that like when you dodge, you get like a damage reduction buff and like a accuracy increase and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really use any of that stuff. I just rolled heavy armor all the time. Yep. Um, used time dilation, and then I picked up all of the uh, all of the time buffs I could. So increased recharge, increased quantity every time you kill an enemy, you get mm-hmm. um, a certain amount back. So you know you open up use it take down you know one or two characters and then you you know you gun down one more person you basically have it again so you're kind of in this chain of just being able to drop into um the time slow the bullet time kind of feature and and gun people down which was great fantastic uh would recommend to a friend um and then you do have uh one of the mechanics that was kind of weird to get my hands around was the buffs for the weapons because you have kind of like your uh your standard elements you have the plasma the shock the corrosion the n-ray and then Mm -hmm. you have one more mod that just like increases base damage yeah i did not find n-ray useful like at all Mm -mm. Um, plasma is pretty useful kind of for anything organic um, yeah but 
I found shock to be the most useful for all just kind of like ubiquitous, like all enemy types were at least susceptible. Somewhat. Even if it didn't do bonus damage, it would usually stun them, which was yeah. super useful. I kind of fell in the same uh, grouping. I did a lot with uh, plasma and, um, and uh, yeah, basically like plasma and um, electricity were pretty much the bulk of what I used as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, of the oh yes and by the way there is like kind of a party system i feel like this game was so that i'm always chasing the mass effect dragon's tail so to speak and so the one the the other catnip in this game for me was doing all the companion quests and you have was there up for uh six uh i think there's six total companions that six you can find yeah. yeah that's right so there's six total companions um, and they have their own little like plot lines you can go to or ignore or whatever. Um, and there's one in particular, the, uh, cleaner robot, Sam, that's, uh, sto- stowed on your ship, the unreliable. And he, he is exclusively corrosion. So he's really great in the openers and he just does like, I mean, he's basically just like a corrosion grenade launcher and he just like floods rooms with corrosion because uh, he's cleaning up the mess, right? Um, of course, yeah. Of course. Uh, and he's super efficient. Um, and uh, so he was really good opener, but he doesn't have like upgradable armor or anything like that. So you kind of just like he's kind of like a, uh, a like a glass cannon. Like you send him in, and he starts like wrecking things, and then you you better be following up because he's not going to last too long if you're not careful. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I, um. I did not find his quest, so I didn't unlock him. Like I, I found him on the ship, but I didn't mm-hmm. realize that he was. Um, I suspected that he may be a playable character, but when I interacted with him, the game didn't give me any prompts, and I didn't find any prompts for him. So mm-hmm. um, I missed out on using him. But I played with um, the mechanic and. Uh, the Wayfarer, uh, it's Naoki and Pavarti. Pavarti and Naoki, yeah. Yeah. Um, I basically just gave them both guns and, and let them wreak havoc. But I, I found out later in the game than I would like to admit um, that you can give them science weapons. So oh, I ended up equipping them both with science weapons and oh my god did that make everything so broken see is that's i never even thought of that i i gave one of them the gloop gun oh the gravity gloop gun yeah dude that thing breaks every fight so i didn't have to do any of that she would run around launching people into the air and debuffing them yep and i would run around gunning them out of the sky yep and teabagging their corpses see that makes sense it it was fantastic so yeah I, i like i just kind of assumed offhand that you're the only one that can use science weapons that was what i thought super op but then i was like i'm using all these science weapons it's okay but it would really be awesome if someone else were using these because they're insane crowd control but i want to be the heavy hitter and i was like wait a second can i give these to them and I, sure enough, I, I was like, oh my god, this changes everything. <laughs> I just equipped Man. them with the most broken science guns I could. So they had run around, essentially crowd control and debuffing for me. And I would just clean up. Yeah, clean everything up. Yeah, I think that was my, that, that definitely, it, if, yeah, if I had done that, it probably would have made the latter third of the game a lot easier for me. Oh my god, so easy. Because that last fight is really, really hard. Um, wait, which one? Oh, wait. Okay, so, yeah, I think we mentioned before that we went for different um, specs, right? So, yeah. I played Sneaky Sneak. Right. And you went with uh, Intelligent Murderer. I mean, technically... Right. I'm sneaky murderer and you're intelligent murderer. Did you right. talk your way out of the last room? 
No. No, I, I murdered everyone. <laughs> so the last fight for me was a room full of that had a giant Ed 209 robot and a bunch of drones. Yes. Okay. That fight was incredibly difficult for me based on how I was kitted out. I had a really hard time fighting all the robots. Yeah, see, um, and this could, wait, what was, what, what level were you? Do you remember? Oh, gosh. No, I don't. I don't remember. Okay. I, I'm not positive, but I believe that the expansions also raise your level cap. Oh. So I ended the game at level 36. I don't think I was that level. So all of my weapons were level 41. Ooh, yeah. Because you can no. tinker five levels up. Yeah. Um, so when I got into that fight, first of all, if you kill Ed 209, all of the drones immediately die. Oh, so And he keeps spawning them as best as I can tell. So you don't even have to really worry about them except for their you know, raining fire on you. Mm-hmm. You really just want to focus fire on him. Yep. Um, Which gloop gun and shoot the thing on his back, like gets you there pretty quick. <laughs> uh, so I, I had a heavy ammunition, long gun, one of the assault rifles outfitted with um, a rapid fire muzzle, a low spread zoom and shock. Mm. And I think it took me three or four clips to put him down. Man. So I ran into the fight, unloaded, reloaded, unloaded again, ran to cover, popped my inhaler, and then just peekabooed him two more times. And that was it. That fight took me like minutes and minutes long. Like, I didn't like run out of ammo or anything, but it was super long for me. Like I was running around the room, eating an inhaler. The drones would like waste my party. And so I'd be like doing this weird cat and mouse waiting for Ed 209 to come around the corner, hit him with the gloop gun and pop him in the back. Like it took, it took a little bit of time for me. Yeah. My, my party was glooping him and the drones. If they get a hit, from the gloop gun, they actually like fall down and are yeah. stunned for a while. So she was just glooping the, the ever living crap out of everybody in the room. So they were all just kind of like sitting on their thumbs for the most part. And then mm-hmm. the other one, um, I gave an expansion science gun to. So she was just like laying, laying the hail down. And that gave me cover to just kind of like pop out, unload pop back into cover reload pop back out but yeah they they didn't scale those um encounters Mm -hmm. for the expansions if you have the expansions because i was able to waste him in a couple clips without any difficulty okay yeah that must have been the case because like as somebody who didn't have the expansions, it was like that fight took a lot of, diff- it was like quite a lot of work. Um, and I, I wasn't, I never really fared bad against any of the human or aliens, but for some reason that fight was just incredibly hard, but it's probably, you know, it's one of those things where it was definitely designed to be that way. If that was the only part of the campaign, but yeah, if you were coming back in there with like expansion gear, I can imagine that being like a huge boon. Um, yeah, but I think, yeah, one thing I wanted to move on to is just like there are a lot of mechanics in the game that I felt like either weren't really described to me very well and I just kind of like stumbled into mm-hmm. or, um, yeah, I think that's the main thing is like they just didn't like there was like a disconnect when I was playing it for me. And one of the things was how the inhaler and food works because I thought the way the inhaler worked was just for literally just for health. So like at first I thought you could only put like the health hypo sprays in it. Like it would, uh, it would only heal. It wasn't until later in the game where I figured out you can like slot any other things into the ha- inhaler. Right. Right. So I can right, like right. huff alcohol that like gives you a plus two to everything and Food. heal myself at the same time and all that. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yep. Yeah, you can huff anything. Yeah. Which is super useful. And in between, you can always pull up your uh, menu and just <laughs> yeah. select some individual thing and eat it. So, like, Hold on, guys. I need a snack real quick. Yeah, there's nothing really stopped. Like, the inhaler is a nice, uh, you know, quick in-game way to get stuff pumped into your body. But mm-hmm. if you don't want to use that quick action, like, you could just pause, go to your inventory, and eat a bunch of stuff. So uh that mechanic was kind of like it you know it's nice in combat so you just hit a button you get your buffs you're yeah you're running around you want to stay in the in the moment um but yeah you could always just pause and essentially go do all the same things if you so chose and likewise i don't feel like i mm, mm, like miss i missed all the bits with like uh, giving science weapons to the party because that would have totally changed the combat dynamics without any question because they were they were mostly effective. Like I used Nyoka and um, I think I used Nyoka and um, not Pavardi the most, but um, the Vicar for quite a while. Oh yeah. Vicar Max. Yeah. Sure. Cause he's uh, usually does like shotgun. So he's doing like single, like he really does like focus hard damage and then just use Nyoka for like crowd control. Um, so I just went all, I went all aggression. I had no, nobody was healing me. Um, and it, it went okay. I'll put it this way. You can really like steamroll most of the AI that way. Sure. Sure. Um, but yeah, the science weapons really like tilt most fights into your favor really quickly. Um, but yeah, those are like, those are probably the two mechanics that like, I don't feel like were really expressed well, or like I just missed whatever thing they wanted me to do. I I just gave my companions whatever I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, I like when you pick them up, they're like, "Oh yeah, I specialize in X and Y." And I was like, "Cool, here's a LMG." You <laughs> start learning that. Like I, I didn't really give any credence to um, what their quote unquote preferred skill set was because mm-hmm. I didn't see any indicators in equipping them um, or in their stat sheet, like what their preferred tools were right so i was just like okay well this does the most damage so start using this and they all use them without any problem um so that kind of seemed like uh i don't know like a non sequitur it's just kind of like what it are they supposed to have specialties like did i miss that or something and then on the abilities sheets for them, there's a certain, uh, you can grab abilities for them. Um, that's not the right word. You can grab perks for them that are supposed to enhance their quote character abilities. I have no idea what those are. Mm. Each one of them is supposed to have one. I never saw a tutorial for how to implement them or how they're activated. You even have character attributes um, or character perks, I'm sorry, that you can pick up that regenerate how quickly your NPCs can activate their abilities. Yeah. I have no idea what their abilities are. Oh, um, to this day. And I beat the game. (laughs) Well, I know what their like perks do. Basically, all the companions work to buff most of like they all work to buff a different stat, like one of the main six stat groups. Um, so you get a static plus 10 to like, like with the vicar, he, he gives you a static plus 10 to all your hacking. And so and any points you put into hacking with vicar in your party, everything just it just like keeps ratcheting up like you just keep having an advantage um, and that, that goes with all the, that goes with all of them. Um, and then they'll have like some little, I can't remember where it lists it actually on their character profile, but it does tell you, well, I should say it shows you the one that's a perk. Cause when they're in your party, you'll see like, a I, th- I forgot what it is, like a green value. And then, and then at the, and then you'll see the box at the, on the far right side and it'll say like, um, you know, whatever the new full to- total is. 
and that right. green plus is coming from your companion. Um, so that's, or at least that's what I recall from that. But yeah, they all have like, um, their skill, like all their skill charts are, I mean, you gave them like their little, like you like gave them all their like other skills though, right? Like their combat skills, like those same one, they have a skill tree similar to yours. Yes. Yeah. Um, but they also are supposed to have actual combat abilities. Yeah. Those are activated kind of like, I forget. So I played on controller when you like, when you play as like one of them, you assign your directional pads for their abilities. Uh... And so like on, when I was playing it, like, companion on the left it'd be whatever their ability is i would just tap the left and the companion on the right so like most of the time i was using and in the beginning when i was using like pavardi i'd use her knockdown ability in combat Hmm. and then i'd use the vicar max's um what's it called Uh, yeah i'm sorry he's got knockdown what does she have knockout both both are just basically like hard hit stuns. Uh, and then later like Nyoka, hers is like the spray and pray where she like takes the takes a swig of the of the juice and then uh, starts like shooting everything. No? Uh, yeah, I didn't use any of those. Oh my gosh. I, I had no idea those existed. I when we picked up your uh, Barrage, companions for the me. first time they tell you how to like throw them commands to like yep. move or hold or attack or whatever. Yep. But I must've missed the cues on how to activate those abilities. So I didn't even realize those were there. Yeah. They activate kind of like the, the static abilities from like mass effect. They're just sat in one of your directional slots. And then when you just tap it, they'll do the action to against whatever thing that they're in front of. Well, I can say proudly that I didn't miss out because they absolutely slayed without me having to give them any direction. There you go. So it is a mechanic. It clearly isn't entirely necessary to manage as long as you give them the science weapons. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they did a fine job with the science weapons. (laughs) You'd have to go back and replay now and give them science weapons. Yeah, so speaking of which, what was your favorite science weapon? I, you you will have some that I I didn't come in contact with, but I'm curious what, what was your favorite science weapon? Um that's a good question. I think uh, I'd say my top 2 are the gloop gun and the special delivery. What is special delivery? Um the special delivery is basically just like a rocket launcher. Oh. I don't know if that's in the base game, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's not in the base game. Yeah, I'm not sure if I if that was in the base game or not. I found a ton of science weapons in the game. So uh, the shrink ray, the mind control ray. Mm-hmm. Um, I found a couple melee weapons that I literally couldn't figure out what they did. Yeah. Uh, and then the gloop gun, which was awesome. Um and then the special delivery is just like a, uh, it's a rocket launcher, but you hold the trigger and it like loads rockets. Oh. And then when you release, it fires a volley. So it's just like, Bruh. that was awesome. It was That's... super, it was a ton of fun to play with. They, they don't track or anything. So you're just kind of like blowing up a spread. Okay. Um, but yeah, that, those are the two that I ran with for most of the time with my party. Um, and they would just light it up. It was mm. great. What about you? What, what, which ones did you favor? Uh, definitely gloop gun just because of how it would gloop just gun? essentially like ruin everybody's day really quickly. Crowd control, man. It's all crowd about control. that crowd control. Yeah. And just toss people in the air, stun yeah. them and debuff them. Like gloop gun became a really handy go to. I used the shrink ray a little bit at first just to like deal with bigger monsters. But, um, and the same thing with the, um, um, gosh, 
the uh, mind control ray. Like that was kind of fun. But then you'd always have to be like mind controlling someone because I wasn't giving the science weapons to other people. So I was like, this really isn't doing as much as I'd like. Right. Um, And I ended up like basically just using the um, gloop gun and then switching between my other weapons to deal with uh, actual gunfights. So, but yeah, now that I know that um, giving them to the party companions is like a realistic option that that might, that might warrant a a revisitation of uh, revisiting the, uh, the outer worlds just to see. And also like a kind of, my first playthrough in games like this, I always do the goody two shoes shit. So like, I always try to find like the happy medium for everything or like mm-hmm. find a way where like I, I get what I want and they get what they want and that no, mm-hmm. nothing bad happens. <laughs> and yeah. right. <laughs> um, so like a lot of my energy went into that, but it like, it did like screw me at one point there. So there's, um, I can't remember the name of the, I can't remember the name of the ship that you go to, but the one, it's the one that mom is on Mm -hmm. the gangster who like wants you to give her one of the three objects from the second planet you go to either the plans for the toothpaste or one of the other things. She's on the groundbreaker. The groundbreaker. Yeah. 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 So her missions I didn't give her anything. And at the time I didn't have like a real smart way to like generate income. And so in order to get the captain's pendant back, right. That you, you like parlay into getting someone broken out of prison or something. Um, in order to get that object, I like went on a bunch of missions just to get enough cash to buy it outright from her. Cause I didn't go like postal and murder her and take everything or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that was the only part of the game where I kind of like the um, momentum for me really got kind of like knocked down. Was that like, I didn't really have, I didn't have a, in my mind, I just didn't have a smart way to deal with it. In retrospect, I probably could have sold all the ammunition that I've been hoarding. Cause I yeah. had like thousands of rounds of ammunition just sitting. It's not worth barely anything though. Like, um, your your best bet is just to run around and pick up equipment and sell the equipment. Like even the junk that you find isn't mm-hmm. worth that much. The stuff that's really worth money is equipment, equipment, and especially. Uh, so there's like three classes of equipment. There's standard equipment, there's special equipment, and then there's science equipment. Yeah, special equipment is garbage. I. And I challenge anyone to prove me wrong. It, it if you trash, up, yeah. If you pick up a standard weapon, you can slot it with usually three mods, and those mods cumulatively cumulatively make it better than any of the special weapons I've seen. Mm. So, aside from a unique element like a frost weapon or something like that, yeah, they don't really give you a lot of reason to keep them around. So at the end of the day, especially like if you have to continue tinkering to keep them up to your, your character level, yep, they're much more valuable selling because they're worth a ton of money each. So I pretty much sold all that stuff. You pick up, I mean, anywhere you go, you're going to pick up dozens and dozens and dozens of pieces of weapons and armor. And if they're, if they're, lower than your current character level by more than like three or four levels, they're just not worth keeping because they're going to cost more to tinker up to your level than they are to sell. So sell all that garbage and get your money. And I, I did the same. Well, I didn't do the same thing. I didn't realize that when she was sending me on that mission that she was expecting me to come back with stuff. So I resolved everything there by extorting everyone on the planet for their Mm -hmm. stuff. So I made out pretty well, but she was not super stoked with me because I didn't bring anything back. Come back with anything. I didn't come back with anything. So I was like, Oh, Oh, why, why didn't you just say like, Hey, go here. And if you see anything interesting, bring it back for me. Just like Mm -hmm. it, like that would have been, so much more transparent and said 
like the way the mission is presented is basically just like i found this distress signal go check it out and i was like okay so <laughs> i went and handled everything on planet and my only tilt for the whole game was just to screw over all of the corporations as as much as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. So any of the resolution options that allowed me to screw the corporation, that is what I went for. Even if there was no other uh, benefactory. Um, like you're just like you weren't necessarily helping anyone. You just knew that right. it would hurt the corp. Right. It, it didn't matter if someone came out ahead so much as they lost. Right, right. So Very uh, zero-sum. The, um, oh my god, the, the last area where you run into um, the head honcho right before that last fight. Yes. You, you have this, like, extended dialogue with him, and the whole time... Like I'm trying to be antagonistic. I literally just want to murder this person. And at the end of the dialogue, he was just like, okay, well, I guess report back to me when you're done doing what you're doing. And like, it didn't give me the option to outright attack him. Oh, okay. And I was like, what the hell is this? I, I fought all this way. I've murdered all of his people. Like I, I went out of my way to kill everyone leading up to this area where we're now discussing what's going to happen between us. And it doesn't even give me the option to murder this guy like obsidian. Come on, you guys, you know why I'm here. We, we, <laughs> you know we what don't I need want. to, yeah, we, we don't need to play this game. So after the dialogue resolved and it didn't give me the option to murder him, I just murdered him anyway. Oh my god! It felt good. It felt really good. So what you're saying is you get the you got the ending that you wanted. That's right. That that is the power of Obsidian's writing. Even when they didn't realize they were giving me the option that I wanted, I got it. <laughs> so, yeah my my only little quips I think are like the only things that I think were kind of a bummer were um, the aforementioned, like there's just like those couple of skill things that just didn't make a lot of sense. Or like, I just didn't, I don't know, for whatever reason, like didn't line up that this is the mechanic that they wanted me to follow. Sure. Uh, so that's one, two um, RPG games. Can you please follow ghosts of Tsushima's uh, design aesthetic? And, um, if you design a character that looks cool and I equip them with armor and that armor looks like shit, give me an option to toggle off the appearance of the armor. Cause at the end, all my people look like they're wearing state puff marshmallow uniforms because they're all wearing heavy gear. Cause that's the only gear that you want to wear because it's protective and they have cool designs, but I never get to look at them cause I'm just staring at three pink unicorns. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not a good look to me. Did you toggle the helmets off? Yeah, I got the helmets off, but you can't like, I just want to see their, the attire that they come with. I don't care. Like, uh, okay. I want, or at least I want the option to just shut off the in-game equipment. Cause most of it looks bad. Uh, I see. Like, I have to say that like, that's the one thing in the game that was pretty irritating was the aesthetic of the armor that you pick up. Right. It always looked kind of dumb. And I don't know. It just annoyed me. I like, I wanted to see them in their, in their aesthetic. You know what I mean? Cause they're all designed really well. Like they all have very distinct uh, personalities and all that's like kind of covered up by, you know, whatever uh, corpo armor you've got slapped on them. Yeah. Uh, and there's um, one thing that I thought was a little, a little disappointing was just that like, pretty much all of the armor is the same yeah so there's I, I mean i don't even know there's a dozen or more different heavy armors in the game that you can pick up mm-hmm. um you know the the corporate the purple berry the wastelander the like there's there's a whole ton of them and they all yeah. have different shaders on them and you know some of them have paint on them and stuff like that but a stat wise they're completely the same yeah like the stats are literally identical so it doesn't matter except for the aesthetic and b 
I think they're all literally the same geometry with a different paint job on them. That's kind of what I think. I th- like with certain exceptions, I think the models are all actually the same with different shaders, which was yeah. again kind of disappointing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't care that much about the aesthetic. You know, it, it is what it is. It's kind of like eh. I kept them at medium distance, so I didn't have to stare at them most of the time. <laughs> that's what i'm saying like just just gives the option to toggle whatever the default customer or whatever the default character design appearance is right because it was good and i would have been happy to see just that yep yeah Um, the the overall um difficulty and economy was i feel like just like not very well planned out um yeah the economy was not it's the economy is not very deep at all but the game's only like 30 hours at the most right right the the base game probably runs you less than 30 hours yeah if you're playing the expansions you'll get about another 10 hours worth um total right for two expansions so about five hours two, five, right, five bucks a piece. Right, right for two expansions and they're at, i will say they were both super fun they had fun narratives they had great dialogue the missions were interesting um all that stuff was great so no no love lost there um the it has kind of the same progression as aforementioned titles um you know you start out pretty you know, spongy and you're low on ammo all the time and you're having to scrape, beg, borrow and steal to get through all of your encounters. And then by mid game, you basically don't have any more ammo problems. You're always Mm -hmm. flush. Um, You're pretty well able to take on anything. Um, And you typically, if you're selling everything. Oh, that message was for me, right? Yeah. Uh, you should have enough money to tinker your gear up where you need it to be and install your mods and stuff. Um, but then late game, it you don't you no longer have a ammo problem. The problem for me, honestly, was cash flow. I ran out of cash multiple times tinkering my gear up, hmm. and I think this was an oversight in the way that the expansions are built because. If I'm not mistaken, the expansions increase the level cap. Yeah, probably. um, I ended the game at level 36, so your gear can be at maximum of level 41. And even though I had my engineering high enough that my tinker skill was... It's capped for science, but it's reduced for everything else. It the highest level weapon I could typically find was like in the low 30s, yeah. so I would have to tinker it 10 plus levels. And the higher level tinkers are like six, eight, ten grand. So, yeah. like, you end up bumping against that threshold of like, where the hell am I finding this money? <laughs> and you have to run around and, and again. Uh, do lots of the murders to get the money to tinker your gear back up. So it, it just kind of seemed like that whole system kind of, uh, I don't know that it's not, not balanced. I feel like most games, by the time you get to mid to mid late game, you're kind of overpowered. Mm-hmm. Um, but the um, running out of money all the time to, to tinker your gear up was kind of a bummer. Um, it seemed like that wasn't fully thought out. Um, and if they wanted the game to feel like you're begging and borrowing and scraping the whole time, um, for ammunition by mid game, I mean, you have more ammunition than you'll ever be able to use. So it, it, you know, I don't know if that was part of their aesthetic that they were trying to promote or not. It just seemed like kind of, um, it didn't seem like it was very well thought out in general, but you know, uh, it might just be me. Yeah. I think if you, um, if you get a chance to watch, if you want to follow up on this stuff, like if you watch some of the like developer interviews, I got the impression that they kind of just like, they were running at, running against their deadline. And so like, apparently a lot of things got cut off short, at least with the base game. And so 
that could be part of it where like they start to build out a system and they're like, Oh, we don't have time to like make this more, more, more developed or like more balanced because we're trying to get all this like other story stuff finished. So like, that's why the stores are pretty dumb and you know, like there isn't like a, a, um, a bit more of a sophisticated ebb and flow for, you know, stuff that you find in the world to trade in or trade against. Um, I think that was all like, they had like a very, like very basic targets they needed to hit and they got those done and then just kind of like, you know, like, okay, we got to launch the game. We got to make sure it's done. Sure. So that, I think a lot of that just comes down to time. And I agree that, that, you know, those, those things don't feel as developed in when you set them next to the things that, that are developed in the game. So sure. I'm sure. sure. I'm sure it's a byproduct of their um, their imposed deadlines to some degree. But yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I think the my only last gripe is just a, a minor story thing, and that is like by the time I got to the end of the main campaign, I was not like a hundred percent invested in the the narrative of who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, like because there's this like time where you're just like running around and you basically never talk to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And so like the idea of what you're doing for me was just kind of like floating around mm-hmm. and I didn't really like, it wasn't like, you know, like in mass effect, there's the, this like in the back of your mind, there's kind of like this clock that's always ticking down, right? Like the threat is coming. I need to f- keep my mind focused on that while I do all my tasks. And in this game, the threat doesn't really like feel very much like a big timer until the end of the game. And then it just kind of like all happens all at once. Right. And so I never felt like really invested in like the whatever the, the colony or the doctor until people start like until you're in this section of the game where they're like, oh, have you really like ever thought that like maybe that scientist you're talking to? that you're supposed to have this like close relationship. Maybe he's lying or that he doesn't know what he's doing. Right. And, and it was like the first time anybody cast doubt, but I hadn't really like established a rapport with him. So they're like, sure. <laughs> they're uh, the story mechanic of them, like trying to like, you know, persuade you that you might have been bamboozled this whole time, which is clever. Mm-hmm. just didn't land for me because I haven't been talking to him that much. <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I had the same experience when, when that, um, when that event came up where it was just like, it seemed very out of left field where they're just like, Hey, yeah. how about you just side with us? And, and like they, they give the illusion that they have a good faith argument to make. Mm-hmm. but they don't actually make any argument. They're just like, right. Do you want to do this thing? And you're like, well, why should I? And they're like, cause you wanna. Yeah. 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 I'm like, well, that doesn't, that doesn't help. Yeah. Like, and yeah, the, the sense of urgency for the, the main, uh, if you, if you could see my webcam, I'm, I'm doing air quotes crisis. Yeah that you're that kind of like ties the thread of the game together at the end, they gave some like hints and allusions to it, uh, towards it, um, kind of early on. Yeah. And then for the rest of the game, you don't hear anything about it. Or at yeah. least, and this, this again, it's a continuity problem. Yeah, yeah. It could be things that we missed in the content somewhere that just, we breeze through for whatever reason, which is fine. But yeah, you get to the end and they're like, Oh my God, there's this huge crisis. You're like, Whoa, that thing that I heard about like 20 hours ago, that's a big deal. <laughs> oh, so uh, that's the problem. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, that's all right. Sure. Let's go with that now. <laughs> I mean, I've so. basically been fighting, uh, centuries, thugs and, um, genetically modified, uh, pigs of some kind <laughs> for the last 20 hours so like whatever this problem is seems like kind of a surprise for some weird reason my intentions have been elsewhere yeah uh, i was too busy focused on capitalism run amok yeah and it seems like and i don't know if you got this feeling 
um, at the end of the game, but it really felt like they were leaving it open for a V2. Mm. Um, because right at the end of the game, they're like, no one's heard from Earth in yeah, yeah, yeah. years. And we don't know what's going to happen. And there's all these experiments that have gone awry. And this crisis is bigger than anyone expected it to be. And like all, they kind of like raise all of these loose ends that they don't really resolve um, at the end of the game. So it feels, at least to me, like they were trying to build some clamor for um, another game in this universe, which I would be totally down for. Yeah, it, it definitely sets itself up for uh, part two. And I, I'm kind of in the same boat. I would definitely play the next one, um, especially if they can take what they learned with this one and make that next game even more, you know, more interesting, more better. Um, right. But here we are. Let's do, let's give it the old adjudication. We're putting we're putting uh, Obsidian's Outer Worlds on the block, and we are Uh-oh. saying to buy, to buy cheap, to not buy. Ten wings up, ten wings down. <laughs> we're at the top of Spice Mountain. <laughs> we're rolling out the red carpet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This camera, this camera, or this camera. Sean, please, please know that we love you so much and we would be happy to eat your wings of death anytime. <laughs> A hard pass. Um, oh, okay. I, I would say um, I really enjoyed the game. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the main game. I enjoyed uh, both of the expansions. I got the game on sale. Mm-hmm. Um, I would... If you can find the game on sale, I would absolutely buy the game on sale. Okay. If you can't buy the game on sale, I would wait until you can. But if you don't want to wait, then I think it's worth the purchase price. Um, Having purchased it at a lower rate, I definitely feel like I got a steal on it. So Mm. if you can catch it at a Steam sale... It's absolutely worth whatever the sale price is. And if you don't want to wait and you absolutely want to play the game, I think it would be worth buying for whatever the retail retail price is. I think I'm in a, a similar boat. Um, I also got the game. Uh, I believe I got the game actually as a gift, um, but I would have paid um, sale price for it. Definitely. Uh, brand new might have been a little bit of a tall order on the base game just because 60 bucks for 24 hours is kind of um, cost benefit analysis maybe I would have like passed on it um, but you know 40 bucks for the base game would have totally bought it without a, any hesitation um, and uh, yeah so and now that I've gone through it once and now that I know I can do some other things after talking with you, I, you know, I'll probably rebuy it on steam so that I can, uh, add the, add the expansions and just kind of blaze through the core game. Um, cause when my playthrough, it was mostly like me attempting to have a, a version of mass effect. And that was just like, it was like following all the companion stuff and doing the, the quests down to every little, um, every little detail up to a point. And um, yeah, from that perspective, I definitely got my, got my money's worth. It was, it's, it's a fun game. And I totally agree with you. Like all the dialogue stuff, super fun. Um, the world's good. Needs a little bit of polish, but um, yeah, overall very enjoyable. Would recommend it to anybody. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I'll probably do uh another playthrough in uh in the next year or so once i scratch some other things off the list as a melee because i i did really want to play with um the melee weapons they seem like a lot of fun there's a lot of cool buffs and mm-hmm. uh, stuff you can do with that through your your perk tree um but i just kind of i stuck to the the long guns for this one i think it'd be totally worth replaying um, with a completely different character set up and it would still mm-hmm. be super fun, which is not something you can say about a lot of games. That is very true. A lot of options with this game, a lot of different ways you can uh, skin the combat and the uh, adventure. So 
Yeah. Good point. 40 bucks, anything you want it to be. It's pretty great. You tell the game, big boy. <laughs> What's it going to be tonight? <laughs> uh, I think tonight I'm going to be the, the corporate the corporate monster. Oh, perfect. I love it. Do that. Absolutely. Let's uh let's role play. Let's see what happens. Let's it's you, see it's you what and me. Happens. There's no cool. safe word. It's the outer worlds. That's right. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all the thoughts I got for it. Do you have any other uh closing closing thoughts? Closing thoughts on the outer worlds. Um uh, no. Uh, I think that I think that about covers it. Feels good. Yeah. Yeah, I I can dig it. I can dig it. Well, dear listener, thank you for downloading this uh, episode of Between Players and listening to our evaluation of Obsidian's space RPG mega opera, The Outer Worlds. Hope you enjoyed it and uh, look forward to hearing your reactions to it. And uh, what are your favorite space odysseys? Till next time, this is Zach. This is Rob. Yeah. That's you, Yeah. 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 Have a good Uh, night. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, let's let's do that. Let's do that. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye.